Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Bulldog fans everywhere. I'd like to welcome you back to the wave. Uh, getting real excited to break down the weekend to come and uh, talk about some things that happened this week as well. But uh, to start things off, I'm your host, Colton Watson. And I'm your co-host, Gavin Lagazino. And thank you for listening. Uh, jumping right into what we need to talk about today, uh, the Major League Draft is officially over. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, who went, who's going to stay, and who didn't go at all. Um, kind of a few surprises here and there. We didn't get into it at all on Monday's show. Um, one, we were pressed for time, and two, it's one of those hard things for, to predict. And this show, uh, this draft did prove to be extremely uh, hard to predict. You know, even looking back, there's a lot of, a lot of, it, albeit minor surprises, some major surprises. Um, give me the rundown of who and where it was drafted, Gavin, starting with the uh, people already on the team. Okay, so um, first round we had Ethan Small go 28th overall to the Brewers. And then fourth round we had Jake go 118th overall to the Mets. Um, Colby White went sixth in the sixth round to the Rays. Tristan Barlow, 16th round to the Colorado Rockies. Dustin Skelton, 18th round to the Marlins. Uh, Jared Liebelt, 20th round to the Diamondbacks. Keegan James, 25th round to the Rockies. Marshall Gilbert, 29th round to the Pirates. Peyton Plumley, 31st round to the Astros. Cole Gordon, 32nd round to the Mets. And Tanner Allen, 34th round to the Rockies as well. Those Rockies love their Bulldogs. They got Stovall last year, yep. too. Had a homer in his first at bat in minor leagues, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm pretty sure his first two at bats were homers. <laughs> I didn't have two all year. <laughs> anyway, uh, starting from top to bottom, uh, Ethan Small. You know, I was thinking at the beginning of the year, and not a lot, maybe not a lot of non Mississippi State people were. I was thinking at the beginning of the year, man, this has got to be a first or second round guy, just because you know I knew the fastball was going to clip 94 from the left side uh i knew he was gonna do that timing thing that he likes to do and i figured he was i figured he was gonna have a big year but 94 with command of three pitches from the left side is uh it's pretty hard to yeah. beat i'm uh, proud of him i'll tell you what i heard about ethan i heard it came down to his last couple of starts him jumping in the first or the second round he he needed every good start that he had and i don't think he had a bad start all season you could argue uh, that the that he had one bad inning against inning against Arkansas that cost us, and that was the only time he allowed more than two runs, and even then he only allowed three. Uh, but Ethan, you know, played his way into that first into that first round draft pick, even at the very end. So glad to see him go, well deserved. Uh, a little bit of surprise how early to surprise to you know draft people, major league baseball people, really something that. Mississippi State people probably felt like should have happened all along was uh, Jake going as early as he did in the fourth round. Uh, I know that's just awesome to see and awesome to hear. Uh, he's the second time he's been drafted by the Mets, and he's been drafted three times, and all three times were by New York mm-hmm. teams, oddly enough. They love him in the Big Apple. Uh, we know we're going to miss Jake. You know, super glad that all those times he turned down the draft for us because he could have went both both years. Um, he got rewarded for it. He went higher than he's ever gone and probably higher than he would have went last year if he 
even if the talks with the draft people last year had gone, you know, hey, I, I, I'll come out if you draft me. I don't. I still don't think he would have went that high. I, I completely so. agree. I didn't. I didn't even expect Jake to go before the tenth round this year. I I would have had him in the seventh or eighth, but you know, it's one of those things. You, I, I think you know he's. I, if I'm drafting, I'm like, man, let's get him in third or yeah. fourth. Because if you've ever seen Moneyball and seen how they they do things at the athletic association at the, or the athletics organization, get on base, dude. Jake gets on base. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't hit 450 foot bombs, but he gets on base. They love to draft the guy that hits that you know chicks did the long ball, but uh, somebody had in the Mets organization had some sense. It looks like, um, Colby White went sixth to the uh, to the Rays and. He is his one year in Starkville was very, very uh, useful and very, very well spent for him and for everybody involved. But he's he gone. Is de- you know, I don't want people. Oh man, Kobe White's going to stay to be the closer next year. No, sixth round. I'm actually, uh, my sister and I are friends with Kobe White's girlfriend. He's, and we didn't have to talk to her about it to find this out, but he's gone. Um, something extreme, like something super severe would have to go for him to stay. Um, Bar- we didn't have another draftee until the 16th round, and that is Barlow to the Rockies. And him being a, you know, these juniors, man, your draft stock tends to fall when you, when you become a senior, unless you just have a great year compared to your junior year, because you no longer have that leverage year. And that's, uh, I hate to admit it, but Barlow, we're probably going to lose. Barlow, um, and I hate his that. Instagram made it look like he's gone. His Twitter made it look like he's gone too. I don't have him on Instagram, but I have him on Twitter. Skelton, a lot of people are predicting Skelton to leave. I wouldn't be surprised either way. I feel I, I kind of think we keep Skelton. I think Skelton stays, but I mean, Dustin is a very critical part of the team. But even if you, even if you look at our backup catchers, you know they're all guys who can come and make an impact. So, you know we're we're good at catcher, but I still I still want to keep Skelton. Oh, I around. do too. Uh, especially one of our signees as a catcher will not be. Uh, will not be uh coming to start well um usually it's after the 20th or 25th round that you really start to feel confident that you keep people and skelton went a little bit earlier than that still went later than i thought i thought skelton would go in the top 10 or before the 15th round for sure which maybe was the only reason that because i didn't expect him to go so late is the main reason i think he might stay but uh i would also wouldn't be surprised if he leaves stovall was drafted less than that last season when he yeah. left um after that, we got Lee Belt, who's a senior, uh, to the Diamondbacks. Very proud of Lee Belt. You know, after a 13.31 ERA last season, he has been the best reliever we've had all season long, and uh, that's super impressive. Yep. That's just amazing. James, he's got a year left to play, and you think he's gone, Gavin. Have you heard – you've heard some things about yeah, uh, from, Keegan? From what I've heard – Keegan feels like he needs a uh, change of scenery, and yeah, I think he's gone. I think I think it's best for him to leave, honestly, though, because you know, ever since um having Tommy John, he really hasn't been the same. And you know, we saw a flash of what he can be earlier in the year this year, but unfortunately, that just kind of uh you know went away as the season progressed. I think he had that one bad start against Memphis, and then. You know, he never really was the same after that. But um, I'm still, you know, very happy for Keegan, and I think he should go get his money um, in the next level. And who knows, maybe 
once he gets up there and, you know, he gets some coaching, he'll be back to where he was. For those of y'all that don't know, Keegan is uh, from Gavin's hometown, as are a lot of your Bulldogs, uh, including Dustin Skelton and uh, who else? Let's see. Keegan, Dustin. In this year's draft, we have Peyton Plumley, Keegan James, Dustin Skelton. Uh, I think that's all. And uh, unless you count always guys who didn't go to state, then we got a few more. Almost all all those uh, Northwest Mississippi has has good baseball. Let's just yeah. say that. Um, uh, you mentioned Plumley. We'll jump down to Plumley since you mentioned him. Uh, so glad that he's gotten drafted. You know, he had that tough year last year where he uh, had to leave the team, came back. He's gonna have a chance to play professional baseball, going thirty first yeah. to the Astros. Yeah. Um, Marshall Gilbert got drafted as a catcher. You know, he, he has he had multiple positions could have get, got drafted in, maybe even uh, as an outfielder. Um, I don't think I, I think he'd be a better infielder than an outfielder, but he is going to go in as a catcher to the Pirates. You've got oh, uh, so glad Cole Gordon got drafted. That's my other surprise. I thought Gordon would go earlier than he did. Thought Jake would go later. Thought Skelton would go earlier. Thought Gordon would go earlier. Thought Mac would maybe, get drafted. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. That's that's the big surprise. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, you know, Gordon, maybe you know from the right side that ninety four, ninety five isn't fast enough for major league guys. But I feel like you know he's got that live fastball and that hammer breaking ball, and the, the velocity difference between the two is like so great that I thought I thought he'd be more useful and would go sooner than he did. But uh, maybe they're skeptical of the fact that he's not a a uh, lifetime kind of pitcher. Yeah. Obviously, you know he he he's came here to play first base and and hit bombs. Yeah, but if you, I mean, really, if you think about it that way, that's in my book more impressive because he was like you said, he's not a lifetime pitcher. He came in and he's learned what he has and uh, performed the way he has in what three years as a pitcher. Three ish, yeah. Because that Two. first year, it was the middle of that first year. Or that first year, he was yeah. pitching. Two and a half. They, they, yeah. You know, uh, Tanner Allen's our last draftee. He, uh, I'm sure he could have went. I think he could have went a little bit higher, but you know, still not where he liked. Remind y'all, if you don't know about the major league draft, uh, teams can call players during this draft and say, "Hey, we're we're thinking about picking you right here. Would you, would you think about signing if you if we picked you there? Would you?" And you know, they can get a gauge on should they pick a guy or not, and. uh that's all, was the case of Jake Mangum last year. You know, he didn't get the phone calls that he wanted. That's why he went so late. He, you know, he didn't jump from the from the thirty from the thirty eighth round to the first round or to the fourth round. You know, by magic. <laughs> that was because you know they were thinking of taking him later than he wanted, and he said no, don't bother. Which is you know good for everybody involved because the players get what get do what they're going to do anyway, and the teams don't waste picks on guys that aren't going to sign. Um, but like you said, the biggest surprise, McNamee doesn't get drafted at all. Uh, I don't see – maybe it's his injury. I don't see it. Yeah, I don't understand that, that at all. This uh, this is going to make people angry, indignant is what's going to make them. The Boston Red Sox, and I'm sure this happens a lot and has happened happens to other teams, but it's just a example here. The Boston Red Sox drafted kind of definitely as a joke two – not one, but two football players that don't play baseball to, you know, make a, a cool show out of things. And there are guys that, you know, are trying to earn a living out here. I understand. I understand you, you, you plan on drafting. Once you get to the 30s, you're not drafting people that you plan on playing. Okay. 
you might draft somebody that'll make it to the organization, but most of those draftees are like the Tanner Islands that, you know, are going to get drafted but aren't planning on coming, and there's no point in picking. That's still a realistic pick, though. I understand you, the publicity's cute to draft Felipe Franks, who's the quarterback for Florida, to play baseball as a ha ha, oh, that's real cute, but. That cost at least maybe not McNamee, but that cost at least one person a chance to play professional baseball. That's when you're when you're when you're messing up other guys' futures. You know how how much does that joke? How important is that joke for you to make that you're going to mess with other guys with people's pro, professional futures? Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, Max, one of those guys. Ever since he got to state, he's just busted his tail, and uh, you know he's put in every second of work that he's needed to in order to make an impact um, on with the team. And, you know, it just it's really heartbreaking to see somebody who put in that much work and effort. And, you know, uh, like I told you earlier, Colton, he's – or not Ethan. Elijah McNamee has more heart than 99% of the people in that draft. That's absolutely right. You know, he, he'd be a fan favorite wherever he went, even, you know, in a 1A ballpark. He might be the guy that – you know, they're, they're probably only selling 200 tickets anyway, but they might sell 250 if Max there, you know, just because he's a fun guy. Uh, I don't see how you watch that swing against Florida State last year and think that's not somebody I need on my yeah, team. Or Vanderbilt. Yeah. Or the swing. You know, if you're that – somebody that's got – that's that clutch and has got that much heart and that much gumption deserves a chance to play baseball, and it's quite sad. The bright side is – uh. Y'all pray for Stanford's pitching against Elijah. Y'all, I hope they pitch. They better hope they pitch around. <laughs> if he hits four bombs this weekend, I'll be surprised it wasn't five. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving on to draftees uh, that are not on the team but are in the signing class. Uh, catcher Ethan Hearn. He's at a. Tell me what you know about him. He's from Mobile. Yeah. Isn't he? Um, went in the sixth round at 192nd overall to the Cubs. He bats left, throws right. His perfect game grade is a 10 out of 10. Um, Dang. Yeah. He's a line drive hitter. He he doesn't have blow-you-away light tower power, but, um, you know, he he can hit bombs. Uh, one of the stronger catcher arms in the draft overall. But um, what scouts are saying is the one place he can use the most work is blocking behind the plate. Okay. Uh, Hearn guys is is already said he's gone. He went he went early enough. He he's going to collect his check. Uh, you know we we got kind of got spoiled on JT again last year. You know got got a first round pick to stay and turn down first round money, but uh, that's not the case, and that's not the case with most single digit round guys. Yeah. They're usually going to leave. At a high school, you you expect to lose everybody that goes before the tenth. Out of college, you expect to lose everybody that goes before the 20th-ish, and uh, that'll be the case here. Um, another guy we have is is Jared Johnson. Yep. Tell me what you know about him. Um, 14th round pick to the Braves. He's from Smithville, Mississippi, uh, 1A school. And pitching this year, he had a .68 ERA, 100 Ks, and a 9-0 and record. And then, uh, um, that so hold on, what? Yeah, <laughs> that's that, that's 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 okay. He throws, he's good at he sounds like he's he good throws at baseball. 98. <laughs> 98 
as an 18 year old. And uh, he can also yeah. hit. He's a, I would have drafted him too. He hit <laughs> this past year, he hit 480 with 10 bombs and 27 RBIs. Wow. He is, uh, he is also gone. Yeah. Um, you hate to see it, but. I'm if you know if you're 18 and drafted 98, I'm surprised he didn't. You know, I'm starting to think. You know, maybe this is kind of ridiculous what the Braves are doing every year. They're like, oh, a state pitcher, let's go get him. Oh yeah, they're getting all of our pitchers, and and I'm a Braves fan yeah. too. They're signing they're signing pitchers that may or may not sign and that don't sign. They didn't sign the first round draft pick last season, yeah. who was a Mississippi State uh, commit, and. You know, that messes me up on both parts because State lost him and Atlanta lost him, and I like both. Yeah, well, they're getting Jared. I like State so. more than Atlanta, but they are getting Jared. All right. Um, they also got a nasty catcher out of Baylor in the first yeah. round. 11 RBIs um, in the regional? Or actually, 11 RBIs right. in one so, game. No, in one game, in the second game of the regional. Yeah. Okay, moving on, uh, we have – I don't know if it's Jake Randa or Jake Ronda. I'm going to say Randa. Mm-hmm. Uh, outfielder, he went 13th round to the Nationals. He just finished up his first season at Northwest Florida College. He's a pure lefty. That's the community college guy. Yeah. He's a pure lefty. Uh, he hit 412 on the season with 13 homers, 53 RBIs in 50 games. You know, that's one of those that may or may not go. And that's also, I think, one of the ones we need. If, if that guy's an instant starter, um, you know, we're losing two-thirds of our outfield this yeah. year. Uh, you've got Cumbus and Hatcher. Um, I don't know if Cumbus and Hatcher play in the field this year. Hatcher uh, – Halter might play some outfield. Um, but if this guy does decide to come to school, that he's in the mix there for one of those starting corner positions, I got to think Rowdy's going to be your center fielder Yeah, next I year. think so too. I think you have to move him over. Yeah, uh, he's going to be your next fan favorite player. Uh, it seems like to me, if you uh, him him Tanner Allen, Jordan Westberg, but yeah, that's going to be fun watching those guys play for a little bit yeah, longer. Um, I mean, I was thinking about that last year. I was like, look how many good freshmen we have. But you know, mm-hmm. if those guys, if we can get those guys to stay, you know, all four years, that's going to be very fun to watch. You know, let's pull the LSU and uh, get all these juniors to stay that should have that should have gone to the draft and uh, do something magical. Now LSU's didn't work out for them as the way they thought it would, but uh, they had a lot of lot of seniors this year and last year that could have left that stayed to play together. You know who's a uh, just real quick who's you know who's a really scary team though Miami. After watching them this past weekend and seeing how many of their starters are freshmen, um. Miami is going to be a good baseball team next year, and we can say with pride that we beat one of the most talented team, the most raw talent, talented teams in baseball. Uh, because, like Gavin said, that's almost it's almost entirely freshmen and sophomores. I think they, they have one junior, to, correct? In their starting lineup, they had. I remember. I don't remember watching more ever seen more than two upperclassmen uh, as position players when I watched two get them play two games yeah. and one of those might and they pinch hit some too so uh, I don't remember but two upperclassmen in the whole lineup okay um, um, the last guy we got that was drafted is uh, out of the draft out of our signing class is Andre Tarver yeah. what you got on um, so 
Andre Tarver went 15th round to the Padres. Honestly, personally, he's uh, the guy I'm most excited about who got drafted. He is from Ringgold, Georgia. He is six foot two, two 210 pounds. He's an outfielder. Um, another pure lefty. He has some lift to his swing, uh, strong athletic build, strong arm, perfect game. Also has him a 10 out of 10 grade. And um, apparently he has good speed too. So, um, I have heard that the Tarver kid is, is swift. Uh, that's uh, that's the one thing that I heard before we started doing research for the show. And uh, that's like I said about Randa. That's another mix in the outfield out there at freshman. As a freshman, though, um, instead of a transfer, he will. I think he definitely has a great chance to crack the starting lineup if he comes over. Um, I agree. Maybe I think he. Excuse me. I think he'll see the field if he if he plays. I don't know if he'll start. I think he. You know the way that maybe the way that Cumbus did or the way that uh, Hancock played played in and out some this year. You know, getting those freshmen in. Also, having a left-handed stick at the plate can come in handy real quick. You know, depending on who's pitching that night, who's who we're up against. Yeah. So uh, I that's think all we got for the draftees from your, both your signing class and from your current team. Your worst, I like to do best and worst case scenarios. Your best case scenario, I think, is Skelton and Keegan staying, and we keep both of those high school guys. We very let, well could lose everybody uh, that got drafted except Tanner Allen. That's the only one that is for sure going to stay. We yeah. probably lose um, James, like uh, Gavin said. A lot of people predict Skelton to leave. I kind of feel like it's 50-50. I say that. Uh, you know, last year we had guys that we didn't think were going to leave, leave, and guys we didn't think were going to stay, stay. Yeah, so, I expect – okay, so uh, last year I fully expected Stovall to stay, but he ended up going to the draft. And it didn't, I think it ended up being – I know he started off hot. I think that was kind of a good decision for him personally. If there was a weakness for us early in the year, it was not having Skel, uh, Stovall and Alexander. Um, if you want to go we, – we can talk about this at a later show because we'll have an entire offseason to talk about it. But Luke Alexander can still play a year yeah. in, uh, in Starkville. He was a graduate assistant this year – or excuse me, an undergraduate assistant this year. And uh, if he has any reason to stay to just to be a coach first base, you got to think that he wants to stay and play next year. Yeah, uh, I actually have some inside information about his situation. It's actually very sad. Um, the reason he wasn't able to play this year is because when they were in Omaha last year, his uh, he he got drug tested, and he has a chemical in his in his bloodstream. Okay, that um, shows up makes a certain thing on the drug test show up positive so i knew it was like ped related i didn't know what you're telling me now so yeah. we we didn't discuss this part before the show yeah and this uh actually this chemical that's in his bloodstream ultimately caused his uh grandfather to lose his life so really so it's so it's a genetic thing yeah it's a genetic thing and it was is he going to get that cleared up um see that's what i wasn't sure about because i feel like if they if this was something they were going to try to clear up, Lamonis and uh, Cohen would have been fighting this all off season instead of just saying, you know what, come, come be our first base coach. So, you know, yeah, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. I don't think if I think if he was done playing, he wouldn't have stayed in coach first base for free. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, I don't. He doesn't get his baseball scholarship to do that. He's going to school and coming to coming every single game and practice to coach first base. So, uh, I'm glad that he's still around too. He's a good leader in the dugout and everything yeah, like that. I agree. Um, moving on now to the super regional. Uh, we have a, a decent opponent. I say decent. We have a good, a great opponent coming in. Um, in Stanford out of the Pac-12. Uh, looking back at this weekend, I said, and I, we talked about this Monday, I said all year the Pac-12 was playing good baseball, and we kind of found out maybe they weren't. Stanford had to fight uh, through the loser's bracket. UCLA had to fight out of the loser's bracket. Oregon State goes over. Cal goes over. Uh, Arizona State goes one for two, goes one and two. Um, kind of – I, I, most people around here thought that the Pac-12 was nothing, and I was trying to tell them they were wrong, but it looks like I was wrong. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Stanford, that doesn't mean Stanford's not a good baseball team. I think they're a little bit overrated, but that's, uh, I did think Stanford the whole time wasn't as good as they looked. But uh, they're coming in. What do, you, do you have some team stats on Stanford? Yes, sir. Okay, so Stanford's team betting average is 281. Um, they hit for power. They've got some sub all of all their starting pitchers that they're going to throw this weekend. They have a sub four ERA, um, staying around anywhere from three seven to a three two. So um, you know they're not going to give up very many runs. So I'd look for State to try to get them out of the game early and uh, have a crack at their relievers. I'd look at uh, I'm pulling up their batting lineup right here. You've got <clears throat> Duke. I'm having trouble with this pronunciation. Duke Kinnaman. Yeah, Kinnaman. Kinnaman, I think. That looks right. You've got Will Matheson, Duke Kinnaman, Kyle Stowers, and Andrew Dashback all batting over 300. Uh, Dashback is right at 300. Uh, all of these guys have started 48 games or more, or 47 games or more. And uh, those are their – that's their leaders on offense. They've also got guys that can really swing for power. One guy that had a great regional is Nick Belafronto. Um, he doesn't have the best average. He's batting about 270. And he doesn't have a ton of home runs on the season. He has only a six, but two of those came in the regional. So he's they, – they were intentionally – I was watching their game against Fresno State, both their games. He was getting intentionally walked more, more than once this weekend. So uh, that's somebody you have to watch out for. Um, I'd say look out for uh, Dashback, like you were saying, goes right at three hundred. He's slugging uh, six twenty six on the year. Uh, they've got some guys that hit some home runs for sure. If you want to run down the home run numbers, yeah, we got. Let's see, we've got Brandon Wolf. I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it. Yep. Um, He's hit 19 on the year. Dashbacks hit 17, and then uh, their highest average hitter, Will Matheson, he has hit 12 on the year. So they've got several other guys with six and eight home runs. Um, if I'm Mississippi State, what I'm thinking with Stanford is uh, don't make huge mistakes pitching. Their average is comes in way lower than ours, uh, over 25 points lower than ours. Um, we bat 317. Uh, we do have a little bit bigger park than they have at Stanford, so that'll play to our favor. But uh, you don't know what this weather is going to do. We'll get to that later. But uh, that wind was blowing straight out to right field all year long. Um, 
they don't have the left-handed hitters that your LSUs and your Southern Misses and your Georgias and your Ole Miss uh, and your Arkansas that we played all year. You know, it seems like we played a lot of these these teams from the South that sent like 12 – seemed like 12 left-handed hitters to the plate. Obviously, they can't send 12 hitters to the plate, but uh, <laughs> they were just everywhere. And you're just like, dang, you know. Yeah. When Ethan Small's throwing, great. When he's not – when you know, the righties are throwing, goodness Lord, you know, the wind's blowing out, be careful. Um. But they do like like we ran down. They this is a power hitting team. This is a free swinging team. This is a team that's trying to drive the ball a long way. Uh, hopefully, we can take make use of that aggressiveness. Um, I know especially your Plumleys and Lee Belts, uh, those sinker slider pitchers, really do a good job playing off of those of those guys' aggressiveness. You saw it with Miami. Peyton Plumley made one mistake uh, and got a got uh, tagged with a home run for it all weekend long. Uh, excuse me, all game long against Miami, though. Uh, he was crystal, crystal, sparkling crystal after that, uh, other than that. Um, it's kind of the same deal with Stanford. They're going to swing for swing for the fence. Going back to their pitching, you were talking about their starters. Which three are their starters, Gavin? Run those down for me. Um, so their starters we have Beck. Matheson and Miller. Um, so it's looking like they're going to throw Brendan Beck on what would be Saturday. Saturday. We'll um, get to the game times later. Yeah. He's got a 325 ERA. And then uh, Matheson, he's got a 371 ERA. And then, shoot, I lost it. What's the last guy? Miller. Eric Miller, he's got a 315 ERA. Yeah. So the best ERA. And the guy that has he he's started uh 15 games is actually going third most likely. That's what the rotation. I think some guys have been in and out. Um, Matheson has been in and out, but uh the last several weeks that has been the rotation in that order. Um, Will Matheson's also their leading average hitter, so <laughs> that guy can play baseball. I think <laughs> I think he's I think he's adept at uh at the sport. To say the least, don't disrespect the West. Do not. Um, you know, kind of makes you wish, makes you think, man, we should have got JT again out here. the The next guy, the guy with the most appearances, is Jack Little. He's got a three point three two ERA. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Jack Little and uh, Zach Greck, Greck or Gretch. They are they have the second, first, and second most appearances on the team with uh. The ERAs of three point eight and three point three two for Jack. Um, just some guys to watch out for. Uh, I did not see either of them pitch the games that I watched in the regional. I'm sure they did pitch in the regional, but uh, those stats are all available online at uh. You just can look up Stanford statistics. You can see run down all the pitching stats more than what we just covered today. They they are not, and I watched them play the other day. They are not. Beck did go Monday night, so I did get to see him throw as in relief after he threw Friday. They are not the pitching team that Mississippi State is either. They like to throw strikes and make you hit it, kind of like Central Michigan. Um, nobody is just destroying, you know, the strike. Nobody's just destroying the uh, hitters, you know, with a whole bunch of strikeouts. Um you're not really seeing a ton of swing and miss. You're seeing, you know, 
they're gonna make you, they're gonna try to play defense behind uh behind their pitchers for sure. And state has fared pretty well behind or against those type of pitchers this year. So. They have. We knocked Central Michigan around. They were like that. A guy that, like we were talking about, you know, strikeouts or not or swinging. In, they've got one really kind of a strikeout guy with Eric Miller. Um, that's the Sunday guy, and he's got 97 Ks. Which, if you consider, you know, I like to relate everything back to us because that's who you, you you're watching. That's who you know the most about. Um, that's less than Gin and JT. That's less than JT Gin and Ethan Smallness by by quite a few. So he is definitely still a strikeout pitcher. He has walks 42 guys, which is a little bit. So uh, he seems like the kind of guy to, like, try to get hitters out by himself, you know, not letting his defense work. The other guys are more, let's let the defense go. Uh, let, the, let them play. They don't walk you a ton, but they're not just the best team. Again, you know, they're not just the most sparkling team with their command either. Uh, to win this game, I think – you're just going to have to, like I said, not not hang breaking balls, not elevate fastballs that you're not trying to elevate. Uh, you're going to have to just play the baseball that you've played all year, and that's as simple as I can put it. It's not rocket science at this point of the year. You're trying to stay healthy. You're trying to do what's worked for, you know, what got you to a national seed, and there's not some secret formula to beating this team. We're gonna I like that they have to travel a long way, a long way. They're not going to have just going to have, you know, maybe 100 fans at the ballpark. Uh, and we're going to get rowdy in that stadium if weather allows it. That's uh, the next thing I want to talk about, Gavin. Uh, I don't know if you have a forecast with you, but it don't look good. No, it does not look good at all. Um, um, from what I'm seeing, it is not very likely that we play baseball on Saturday. But, right. um, you know, it's not really looking good any of the days we're supposed to play. Of course, the day where it looks like it's the lowest percentage of rain. At, of course, this is as we're shooting the podcast. I'm sure the weather is, will change by the time you guys get to see this. But uh, in Starkville, the, the rain looks like it's going to be headed out on Monday, which, you know, we might get lucky. And then it's supposed to be sunny Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But um we can't really play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We have to for for NC per NCAA, the series has to be done by Monday. Yes. So, um, the rules for if we can't get any games in before Monday, um, the higher seed will move on. So we might get a free trip to Omaha. So uh, here's the thing I want to say about that is that is the rules. I don't think that's going to happen um, for several reasons. One, they do not want to do that. That's and and I'm, obviously I'd be glad if we're moving on. That's not fair though. I mean, it's fair. It's is the fairest way we can do it. Let me yeah. put it that. But the fairest way you can do it still kind of sucks for everybody yeah. involved. I want to beat Stanford. I don't want to, you know, have a have a non-series win against Stanford. You know, an an automatic win, a forfeit. A, you know, barely better than a forfeit against Stanford. Um. I now I'll take it. Yeah. If it was they, the other way around, though, you know how mad state fans would be if we were the lower seed. Oh, if we were the lower seed, we'd be we'd be salty. Yeah. It'd be bad, and that's how Stanford fans are going to be. But that, t- but we would if neither Stanford nor us, if we were in that reverse position, would have an argument. You know, they've got to decide it some way. And like I said, it's a sucky way, but it's the fairest way to do it. You're yeah. da- you're dang sure not going to flip a coin. Lord have mercy, <laughs> I'd be terrified. 
Okay. You um, left that up to chance. You can't so, leave something like that up to chance. And that's about the next fairest way you could do it. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you what, it's not going to happen. Uh, it is our field. We had a ton of rain in February and March. No amount. And I'll tell you what, something about that, that new field, that awesome field and that awesome grounds crew is that no amount of rain before a game will stop a game. Mm-mm from happening it's gonna have um, to be the rain during the game that's gonna make it's gonna have to be a lot of rain during the game because if it's coming down you know and not flooding the place not flooding the infield during the game just raining will play or it's gonna have to be lightning which it does call for thunderstorms we're in line guys for like a tropical system is yeah. coming this way and th- that thing could skew east and miss us a little bit and just clip us that's what we hope happens you know we hope nobody gets hurt no matter what most importantly but uh hopefully it'll kind of God will have some mercy on us. It'll kind of skew to the east, and we'll get some games in and uh, get some people out of the park. You know, the this is this is going to be a disadvantage if it does pour because all it's going to do is cut cut to down on the crowds, and the crowd's going to be obviously in it for state. And you don't want to have guys out there not cheering for your team. Yeah. So we we hope the rain gets in. Um, uh, gets let's out. say let's say that uh, we only get one game in. And that's kind of where it gets scary because let's say uh, State comes out, they sleepwalk through the first game, which I'm not saying is going to happen, but worst case scenario, uh, we go out and lose that first game. Stanford wins the regional if we can't play any more games or super regional. That's exactly right. So uh, if we let's let's just win every game. Let's just win two. Yeah. Speaking of winning two, no word yet on we we do we are very like, very confident that JT Gim will play. No word yet on which game that will be. Um, he will have not very much uh, use of his arm uh, in Friday's game. Now he did get sore, obviously. We only threw about thirty pitches, and then eight days rest on top of it. So I wouldn't be I would only be mildly surprised if he went on Saturday even, yeah. and uh, keep that kind of backwards rotation that we planned on using in the regional. Um, but I would be even less surprised and more, you know, I'm more likely he will go on the Sunday or Monday game. Yeah. Getting into these uh, real quick, these game times are kind of funny. I do like, we did get the second, uh, the second set of super regionals that do start on that second day. Um, half super regional start on Friday, half on Saturday. Did you notice and, every SEC team has that besides the Arkansas miss? That's right. I did thought that was kind of weird. I noticed that. What's weirder than that is we've got a Sunday game at eight o'clock <laughs> and a Monday game at six o'clock. The Monday one makes sense, but Sunday at eight, you got to give everybody home uh, time to get home from church. <laughs> we are going to. We could very well send ourselves to Omaha at midnight on Monday morning. So, um, stay tuned for that. Again, those times are Saturday at two, uh, weather permitting. Sunday at eight and Monday at six, all weather permitting. And all of uh, those times are not likely to hold up. So. Very much not likely. Um, now we've, you know, we didn't think we we're going to get to play ball against Ole Miss all uh, that series, and we did. You know, right, when we, we had a fog delay and a little bit of rain delay uh, on Friday, but those games still happened when they were going to happen. You know, that the good thing about the two o'clock start is that game could be pushed up or backwards on Saturday. Yeah. All right, getting into a little bit of football news. Um, all your enrollees are on campus that are going to be here in June. You know, all the guys are expected to enroll, did enroll, except for there are four people that did not make it to campus in June that we still expect, for the most part, to be back in July. The biggest surprise, and he he was if he was 50-50 if he'd make it in June, that's uh, offensive line in Brandon Cunningham. 
And this is all academic and paperwork stuff. That's why they don't, if you don't make it to school on time, it's because of academics and paperwork. Um, he probably will be fine and be here at, at July or in fall camp. Um, after that, you've got Kareem Walker, who's the, the junior college transfer, who was a former number five uh, recruit in the country and went to Michigan before he transferred to junior college. We knew that he was going to be late. We knew for weeks that he was going to be late. Um, some of his credits don't transfer from junior college, and he's got to make up those somehow, and that's kind of tough on him. He'll be here uh, later this year. Um, Isaiah Zuber didn't make it to campus either, uh, but he, he's that's the transfer from Kansas State. He's going to be here. It might yeah. be fall camp and it might be July, but he's signed. I feel like, his transfer has gone through, so yeah. he's fine. I feel he's like the only reason he's not here yet is because he transferred so late, and you know they might have just not had time to get everything done. You know, um, if you were going to enroll in June in classes, fall classes and summer, you know, doing summer workouts, doing fall classes, you had to be signed up by Tuesday. Yeah. And as, as Isaiah signed his transfer papers on Tuesday. So he was <laughs> not he was not going to make it to class in June. And the guy that did not make it to campus yet is Colin Duncan, who is a high school cornerback out of Montgomery, Alabama. And we also expect him – to make it back um a cool thing you know a lot of people were like really confused about not signing 25 guys uh that was by design um we got several transfers you've heard of isaiah zuber you've heard of tommy stevens you may have heard of corliss waitman who is on campus that's a punter and you know our punting game was a little bit lacking last year from south alabama uh and another guy is the position on our defense where got that got decimated the most uh, after senior seasons in the draft is defensive tackle. But we got a transfer from Louisville named Alan Love uh, at defensive tackle. He played a little bit, I think served a red shirt year and uh, will still have four years of eligibility to, to, uh, to play in Starkville, but he did, you know, serve his minimum less than his maximum four games. Um, or excuse me, he didn't play in five games. He was originally an Ole Miss commit. You know, he's from Alabama, uh, committed to Ole Miss, then committed to Louisville, and now he's on campus, and he could be a star- an instant starter, too, yeah. up front. He so, just wanted to get away from Peter Sermon, that's all. Probably right. He <laughs> he did not want to be up there with uh, – they, they've got a bad case of Sermonitis, and they were the absolute worst team in Division One football last year because of it. Um, I think I think they were ranked like if you ranked all of them, I think they were ranked dead last. Yeah, I think they were as a power too. five team. You know, usually it's somebody out of the Sun Belt or something, but it was it was Lewis Louisville. So, uh, I do think Gavin, if you have any questions, well, we have one thing before we get to questions. I had almost forgot. I would be terrible if I did not mention this, um, guys. The all three of the medalists for the uh, outdoor track or track and field championships came from Mississippi state. We got bronze gold and silver. That's in the wrong order. That sounds (laughs) dumb, but (laughs) we got bronze, silver and gold uh, uh, at those track championships in Javelin. And it wasn't close guys. Um, Anderson Peters takes first place. He go he throws 86.62 meters. That's 284 feet. Second place is a bulldog, and he threw it 78 uh, meters. So, guys, the first place guy 
from Mississippi State, beat the second-place guy also from Mississippi State by 27 feet. Okay? And then the next guy was nine feet short of that. Tyree Corsford was third place, also from Mississippi State. And we swept the only the second school in history to sweep all three javelin spots uh, in individual uh, championships. So that's insane. Um, Anderson Peters has repeated as national champion. And uh, it's funny. We, we, the fourth place person is more than 30 feet, behind, more than 40 feet behind the guy that won it for Mississippi State. That's crazy. That's uh, I would call that impressive. <laughs> yeah, we are. I don't know the... about you, but I'm. I think I'm. I'm and I'll tell you what. I'm not a track and field uh, expert, but <laughs> is it safe to say? call Mississippi State javelin? You. We that's are. My, Jack, that's you. my first question from Gavin Lagazino. That's your first question. Mm-hmm. Should we call Mississippi State javelin? Um, yes, next question. There's no way around that. We are absolutely the best university for javelin. If you want something to be proud of, there it is, guys. Yeah, there you go. No baseball, javelin. <laughs> okay, uh, first question is from Zach Claiborne. He wants to know who we think will start, Tommy Stevens or Keaton Thompson? <sighs> We've been through this, I think, in yeah. our first show. So I'm going to be brief with it, let you say what you want to say. And the answer is I don't know. <laughs> I have no yeah. idea. It could be I, – I, I would be not surprised if either one of them started. And like I said earlier, Tommy Stevens doesn't transfer over here to sit the bench and hold a clipboard. And he doesn't transfer over here to be that little, you know, bulldog, wildcat, you know, thing that, you know, <laughs> catches the ball and runs the ball. Although he could be very useful doing that. Uh, he's coming over here to play quarterback. Yeah. Then again, I think Keaton is a little bit ahead of him looking at – you know, how good, what Keaton can become, especially yeah. and watching him in high school versus Stevens in high school. So uh, I think that those two factors make it 50, 50 because Steven def D Stevens, Stevens can't be the starter. I don't know what coach Moore had told him. I don't know uh, if he's got somebody whispering in his ear that's telling false truths and that he has no chance to be the starter. And he came over here and made a bad decision. Uh, I don't think that's the case, but to me, it could be either one. What about you? Um, I'm going to have to say Keaton. Like if you're giving me, if you're giving me a hundred bucks and saying like place this on somebody, I'd, I'd have to go Keaton, just because, um, you know, I might be leaning towards Keaton because I've seen more out of him, but, uh, just truthfully, Keaton seems to be the more polished player. Um, I also like the idea of Keaton having, you know, a longer career at Mississippi State. If he plays this year, he can also play next year. Versus, uh, if Stevens plays, you know, he's one and done. But just just for mainly that reason and also just knowing, uh, like you said, Keaton's potential, I'd have to say Keaton for now. That's right. But we'll see. You know, um, and if you're wondering how, what, what they're like, both are huge. Both are fast. <laughs> both have a cannon. They will run you over. Both are athletic. And both can, can I think, both can become great passers or – good enough passers. Uh, you know, some people think we can't, Stevens came in here to be Peyton Manning, and that's not the case. He's not that kind of thrower. He could be, you know, if he has an outs- an absolute mind-boggling year. I'm not saying he's not. but uh, And I've seen Keaton throw the ball well in flashes. So either one of them could be, you know, the guy that slings the ball around. Uh, we'll see. What You got one more question for us, Gavin? Um, yeah. 
All right, so uh, Landrum Wallace, he wants to know, do you truly think we'll ever be able to reach the level of recruiting we need to win national championships? You know, that's a tough question, and here's why. I'm going to tell you all the greatest myth in college sports is that you can't you you can't go to these small little towns and small you know not a small school but these small little towns and hope to recruit good. Um, I'm going to give, be honest. Tuscaloosa it's bigger than Starkville, but it's not a big place. Uh, Clemson is not a big place. Tallahassee is not only not a big place. Tallahassee I've been. It's not. It's kind of dingy. Okay, right, I'm just not impressed with Tallahassee, Florida. Oh, if anybody's listening to Tallahassee, Florida, I'm just being honest. I didn't like it. Tallahassee I mean, is a dump. I'm I'm being a little bit polite. Yeah, it's a dump. <laughs> Look what they've done out there. So it depends on the recruiter, and here's what happens. Recruiting comes after success. One thing that's going to help recruiting, um, we've sent we've got one draft yet to happen, but we've had a first round pick in every draft so far. Okay. We've had we had three football first round picks, a first round pick in women's basketball and in baseball. Come on, Q. People notice that. Q, you know, mm-hmm. if Q went 30th or 29th in the first round, I would only be mildly surprised. I do think Q gets drafted. Uh, I'd be, I think I think it's pretty safe to say that Q will be, get drafted or, or definitely be on a team. He's working out with a lot of teams, Houston, Chicago, uh, New York. But, uh, you know, supposedly Holman has some good grades. Holman has great measurables. You know, if you're 6'10 and can, you're 6'10 and can dribble a little bit and shoot, yeah. That's that's I've seen valuable have, in the I've league. I've seen Holman have some first round projections. I, I'd like to see either if either one of them, if they just got us that sweep of mm-hmm. first round drafts and all the drafts, that would just be so sweet just to have just for that reason, you know. If they're yeah. second round and they have a great career, that's 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 important too. But I'd like but to we're see gonna them get throw it away just because, because of that. you ruined the sweep. <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna get mm-hmm. on to them, but. <laughs> No pressure, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, they've done all they can do. They have. They uh I know Q especially had a great combine. Reggie Perry had a great combine too, but he came back. Um all right, well that's all we've got for tonight for tonight. Uh again, we're recording this uh night before we're gonna post it. Um you'll all get this. So that's all we had for today. Uh we thank you for listening. We hope you'll tune in next time. Uh, And as always, best of luck on your future endeavors. Uh, Praise the Lord and go dogs and hail state.